What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps episode 180 or something like that. UFC Vegas coming up. This is a big event with title shot implications, I think. Whoever wins this main event is breaking into that title talks. Um, this is a big opportunity for both guys. Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Rafael Faziv. Faziv? Faziv? I don't know. Close enough. It's the battle of the Rafas. Really good, really good matchmaking, I think, here. Um, you got Rafael Dos Anjos, who is 31 and 13. Wow, he's had a shit ton of fights. He's 37, though. 5'8", from Brazil. Um, reach, what is it, 70 inches. And Fazeev, much younger, at 29. He's 5'8", so the sizes in terms of height is relatively the same. He's 71 and a half inch in the reach department. Training out of Tiger Muay Thai over there in Fuck It, Thailand. I think that's what, how they pronounce it, right? Fuck it. <laughs> Uh, but just to get going on this, Fazeev coming in right out of the gate. Okay, so he loses to Magomed Mustafaev, Mustafaev who also <clears throat> beat him standing up. He beat him with the spinning back kick and punches. Okay, that was round one. One minute and 26 seconds in. Kind of interesting how something like that happens to a striker like this. I mean, obviously, it's a game of inches because you're striking. Punches chance, anything could happen. Now, you see what he's done to his other opponents. Alex White, Mark Diakese, and Nato Moicano, which is highlighted over and over and over and over, promoting this guy in this matchup. Then you have Bobby Green, where he kind of hit like a little bit of a stagnant standstill in the momentum because Bobby, super tough, came out and took no shit and gave him some pushback. That was a competitive fight, and you can make the argument that Bobby might have won the fight. Some people are going to say I'm crazy. But if you look at the strikes that were actually landed, um, you can make the argument that Bobby could have won the third and possibly could have stolen that second round in a cl close toss-up. So, again, just going back to the dominance that he had against uh, Hinata Moicano, the way he put him out beautifully, and then going to that fight against Bobby Green, who people probably thought... The UFC probably thought, you get past Bobby Green, you finish Bobby Green, you're getting a title shot, or you're in title contentions. That's probably what they thought was going to happen. Did not pass the test in regards to finishing Bobby, but had a great fight, um, fan-friendly fight, I thought, in my opinion. A lot of stand-up, a lot of back-and-forth action. And then enter Brad Riddell, which now him finishing by uh, wheel kick in the third round, Kind of puts a little bit of a damper after Jalen Turner goes out there and put him pretty much smokes him in what feels like less than two minutes in last week at UFC 276. So when you kind of couple that together, Fazeev did what he was supposed to do. Do he he won? He beat Rat Brad Riddell, but he's a former training partner, so they had some familiarity with each other in the sense of they work with each other, so they have an idea of what each other would like to do in regards to striking. Makes sense. He got the better of him. There was moments where Riddell could have taken him down, or should I say did get a takedown, and let him go. I don't know why, but he did that. And uh, with that being said, it was a great matchup nonetheless. 
both guys brought it and pushed the pace. And uh, Rafael Fazeev, I think, just showed that he was levels above. Not, I don't want to say above, but levels like above. But he did show he was the better competitor than Brad Riddell. In a little bit of a back-and-forth fight in the first round, and after that, Fazeev started to pull away in that second and definitely the, the uh, third round. Um, but it just makes you wonder how good Jalen Turner is. And then, obviously, this was maybe be, maybe two years ago at this point where Matt Favola beat Jalen Turner. So it was like this that division is so crazy right now in 155 because you can make the argument that any one of those guys within the top 15, top 20 could be... Top 15, top 20, you know, because it's just so much talent and depth in that division. Kind of like the bandweight division as well. There's so many guys who aren't ranked in that top 15 that could be ranked and could be fighting for a world title or could be top five pending on the matchups that they get. And that's just the name of the game. Same thing with this division. And I think that's a very, very good and exciting thing to have. Now we have Rafael Dos Santos. Let's take a look at his history. Last win, um, unanimous decision over Hanato Moicano. Short notice fight for Hanato after Hanato just came off of a big win. Let me actually go back so I'm fact checking this. So he beat um, where is it? Yes, he beat Alexander Hernandez, rear naked choke in round two, and riding high off that win, he came back, um, like three weeks later. Is that three weeks? Like four weeks later? No, um. February 12th to March 5th. So like four or five, three or five, three or four weeks later, <laughs> Hinata Moicano steps up to the plate to fight Rafael Dos Anjos in a short notice fight. And I believe what people wanted was Islam Makachev to step up and take that fight. And there was a whole lot of talk and just getting the fans kind of emotionally charged and riled up. And then the fight did not come to fruition. Enter Moicano for the great fight. And even after being battered, for about four rounds, came back in that fifth round like he just had hit a second win, like he had like a sensu bean, and all his injuries went away. If you don't know what a sensu bean is, that's a Dragon Ball Z reference. So, yeah, there's a sensu bean. So, yeah, gave him energy. Felt like in the fifth, fifth round he came back reinvigorated, and he finished that round so strong, and it was highly, highly impressive. That is my ring. Someone is outside. <laughs> so, with that being said... I think Dos Anjos going to a decision and not getting Moicano out of there, that raises some question marks. Him beating Paul Felder by split decision, that raises some question marks. And don't get me wrong, Paul Felder's a tough dude, but let's be honest, Paul Felder, um, that was back in 2020. Uh, so it was a couple of years ago. So it just looks like he hasn't been as active for Fazeev um, to date as he normally is. And before that, he lost to Michael Chiesa. He lost to Leon Edwards. Both unanimous decisions. He beat Kevin Lee by arm triangle choke in round four. And before that, he lost to Usman and Kobe Covington. He also lost to Tony Ferguson and Eddie Alvarez. So he's only lost to the best guys. He beat Tarek Safadine, where he looked like a man possessed. He beat Neil Magny, finished that guy real quick, arm, arm triangle choke in round one. And he beat Robbie Lola by decision, which he kind of cruised to. So with Ed, with... Dos Anjos, for me, if this fight goes to a decision, I like Dos Anjos to win, especially because of the grappling department. I think he can make it interesting and actually take down Fazeev or stifle him against the cage and neutralize his stand-up 
And we know he has great grappling skills. So if he gets the fight to the ground, that could be all kinds of trouble for Fazeev. Obviously, Fazeev is going to be prepared as best as he can be with his skill set. Um, both training at Tiger Muay Thai, where Peter uh, Yan used to train. So I don't know if he's doing all his training over there and, or getting some different BJJ looks, different BJJ coaches, consultations. I, I don't know if he's doing any of that. I would imagine that he is because that is the professional and smart thing to do. So we'll see what happens with that. I would like to see it get tested in the ground a little bit because Brad Riddell had his back and kind of just let him go. And it would have been interesting to see what his grappling looked like because maybe Brad could have kept him down, wore, wore him down a little bit with some knee strikes, um, some calf kicks um, from, the, from the belly back position. And even just making Fazeev work, getting his arms heavy from trying to fight the hands and that type of stuff, looking for underhooks, pummeling, it changes the game. And I think those signers are smart enough to know is the goal is to win. If I ever want to see another opportunity to fight for a UFC World Championship, he still has a big name. He's 37. There could be one last hoorah for him. If he can get past Fazeev and turn back a young contender, I think there is title talk. There is title talking conversation to be had for either one of these guys to win this fight. Big opportunity, and especially after Gamrat versus Amar Shoyukin, this is a good time for the lightweight division. And uh, with all these hot contenders, these guys are probably one or two fights away, and the name of the game is to win. Obviously, you want to look impressive, but when there's nobody else left standing, and you're the one that keeps winning... You cannot be denied, and eventually they can't tell you no because there's going to be nobody else. So, may the best man win. Now, the co-main event, Kyle Barajo versus Armin Petrosian. I will hope I pronounced those names right. This is a big opportunity. Both guys coming off the contender series. Now, Barajo had a very interesting fight in his last one. Um, technical win. By decision, there were some fouls that went on. He actually uh, said something to me in person. He's like, this is how I'm going to finish this guy. And um, he was beating the crap out of the guy. Let's be very clear about that. But then the fouls, whatever. Now, you can make the argument that the guy might have sold it a little bit, his, his past opponent. I have no idea. I don't know what the guy's feeling like. I can only speak from my own experiences. But I will say there has to be some type of penalties that – we somewhat follow the rule book to a T based on a certain amount of fouls because either way, winning or losing, say you're winning the fight, you foul a guy and it's accidental. Now the guy is starting to come back and maybe in the third round, you dominate the first two rounds, but now you're exhausted. You foul the guy again. The guy can't continue. Now you win the fight based on that because it went past the two and a half round mark. There has to be something that has to happen. Obviously, that doesn't happen all the time, but it is a very possible situation where someone could game the system where they can be running and gas pedaling you for minutes at a time. And then as they're slowing down and here's your opportunity to strike, they now find a way to get you out of the fight by fouling you. And now it goes to a judge's decision. They win the fight. I mean, maybe you take a point, whatever, and they still win the fight. That's the situation and the real the, the reality, I should say, not the real reality, the reality that we're actually dealing with. So, again, Barajo told me that he's going to finish the fight. I believe him. 
I think he was just saying, he, he, he was calling me out pretty much on my podcast that I did. He was like, I heard the clip that you said about the foul, whatever. I was like, yeah, oh, cool. Like, I've met the guy a couple of times, super nice dude. I told him I'm going to be there cheering for him. Like, let's go. Going to be a fun fight. He's fighting another killer in Petrosian, who is a really good stand-up striker. Now, I feel like Barajo's more of a grappler. But I think this is the opportunity for him to shine and show how elite his grappling is. Because if he can get through a guy like Petrosian who throws really good body kicks, who's fast with the hands, very explosive, deal with a little bit of adversity and some pain. He's going to have to deal with some pain because some of those strikes land. They are quick and they are going to do some damage. If he can get through that and manage to get Petrosian down or even push him against the cage, wear him out a bit, this is a big opportunity for Barajo to get a finish and continue his ascension in this middleweight division that's finally got some new life with a lot of young up-and-comers now with some new blood. That's pretty much what we want in all these divisions, right? We always want to have new blood. Who is the next big thing? I think it could be Barajo if he continues on this trek right now, but he needs to do it the right way, get the finish, or even if he doesn't get the finish, make it a dominant fight like he did in the last one. Because the last one he was dominating before the uh, fight got ended. I'll have to go back and watch it because I don't remember exactly how it ended with like the fouls and how bad they looked. But again, I'm not that guy. I don't know what he was feeling in those situations. So I can only speak to what I know. And also, by the way, um, shout out to Sleepy Beer. Make sure you guys go check out sleepybeergummies.com. Use my promo code FUNKMASTER to get 20% off. The link is in the bio. These guys take care of me, and I like to take care of them. And these are some really good products. THC-free, but it has some melatonin for sleep. And this is the day beer. And they have some new products coming out very, very soon. So go check those guys out. Now, again, I think big opportunity for Petrosian. Um, as well, because if he could turn back Cavallo, again, a very explosive striker, if he can light him up, he's going to set the arena on fire, and he's going to set the MMA community on fire as well, because he's known to be a striker, and people, let's just be honest, people are more generally excited about KOs and strikers, and I get it, because most people just understand that, and it's easier to get when someone gets punched in the face, it's like, oh my god, that just happened. Versus someone gets taken down, unless it's like a big slam, and someone go, oh, damn, you got earth, my boy. You, <laughs> yo, you got slammed. Ooh. Okay, I get that. So, I get it. It's more fan-friendly. People want to see that. But, again, he's going to have to get through a tough Barajo, weather the storm, and that's not going to be easy to do. Just imagine how many people try to do that to Khabib, and even like Khabib versus Barbosa. Khabib got hit with a lot of kicks, got hit with the spinning wheel kick, I think, twice, if I remember correctly. And Khabib had to weather the storm and deal with those tough body kicks, checking in on the arm, doing one of these. Like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to run through you anyway and walk you down. You're going to land these shots, but eventually you're going to trip up and I'm going to get you down. And that's what he did. Barajo could do the same thing. Just got to be tough. Got to weather the storm. And there's only so many bombs Petrosian could throw unless they land cleanly. If they get checked, like, again, go back and watch that Khabib fight with uh, Edson Barbosa. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. He landed some hard, heavy kicks. But those kicks don't put you away unless it's to the liver, unless it's to the head, unless there's a hard punch to the head. None of those sh- strikes actually got through and landed flush. Like, they landed flush in terms of being checked. Yeah, it hurt, but it's not enough to stop a guy who's looking to grab you. You know what I mean? That's the difference. That's why I respect the grappler so much because he has to he has to literally walk through fire. 
and eat shots to get you down, to close that gap to get you down. And I think that's what's going to happen on Saturday with this matchup. So I'm excited for this one. Um, other than that, Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Douglas DeAndrade. This is going to be a fun fight. I think a lot of people are very, very much looking forward to this one. Big opportunity for both guys. Saeed looking really good against Cody Stamen. Now um, Douglas Silva DeAndrade with two wins in a row against Sergey Morozov and Gaetano Perillo. Big opportunity for him getting back down to the bandweight division and looking better than ever. Um, he does look pretty stacked, whatever that means. I think the guy's just at home doing his push-ups and eating his Wheaties. <laughs> Big fight. Uh, I think that's going to be my sleeper fight for the, for the uh, maybe, mm, I don't know. Maybe, the, I don't know if that's going to be my sleeper fight. Uh, Cynthia Cavillo taking on Nina Nunez. Michael Johnson taking on Jamie Malarkey. That, I think this is going to be my sleeper fight. I think this one's going to get the crowd, like the juices flowing. So I'm excited for this one. I think this is going to be a big opportunity for both guys. Anthony Shachenko taking on Courtney Casey. Ricky Tercios taking on Eamon Zahabi. And Ronnie Lawrence versus Sidekup. Oh, I didn't even know they were fighting on this one. This is my sleeper fight right here. That one is going to be a freaking bomb burner. Both strikers. Both guys are super fun to watch. Ronnie Lawrence is so good with his takedowns. It's been a while since we've seen him. I'm not sure why. Usually when that happens, that means someone popped for steroids or something or some type of PD. But I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, he hasn't fought since he beat Mana Martinez in February of 2022. So that was way earlier this year. It's going to be nice to see this guy back in the cage. And before that, he fought in February of... 2021. So he's been out for a while, man. It'd be nice to see this guy catch some traction and stay busy. Sadikov, excited for this guy. Um, used to live in New York. Now with train with Tio Yama. Beat Trevin Jones. Guillotine choker round one. Last one of Cage Fury. KO round two. So I'm very, very excited for this one. My memory card just died. I'm sorry, guys. It just got full. Thank you guys for always tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe and like button. See you guys later. Peace.